Hi, I'm Heather Knight, and this is the Surviving to Thriving podcast. One in four women will experience severe physical violence by an intimate partner in their lifetime. We're going to discuss the taboo topic of domestic violence and the tools our thrivers have used to succeed in life. We want you to know that you are not alone in this fight. Please keep listening if you or anyone you know has been impacted by domestic violence. Before we get into today's episode, I would like to thank our sponsor, Night Protection Services for making this podcast possible and all the support they provide our cause. Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of Surviving to Thriving. Today I have with me Jocelyn Bellows. In 2017, she made the decision to leave her marriage. At the time, her family and her had moved across the country and she was not working. The one thing that she was most certain of was the decision to leave uh, was was absolute for herself and her child. The day she proclaimed that she was leaving and in the months to come, she began a journey of self-discovery. What it was that made her tick was the joy that she wanted to manifest into her life. She invested in herself, learning and expanding through books, conversations, coaching, and training. All along this path, she understood this. She is peeling back the layers of herself to get to the core of her life's purpose. And through this, she realized that she built the life that she has always desired and dreamed for herself. She has the privilege to share this gift to allow others to discover their deepest and truest selves, to be the mirror for those around her who may not quite see their own great selves. This is what brings her the most joy. She believes in a world where men and women can break up with their old ways of being, stories that are no longer serving, breaking energetic ties with people and ideas to wake up to being a joy and light and crafting a life on your own terms, growing and expanding into the person you were always meant to be. Jocelyn, welcome to the show. Heather, thank you so much, not only number one, for having me, and number two, I really want to compliment, I love the name of your show. Oh, thank you. I love it. It just, it it hits, and it resonates so strongly with me. Definitely, Um, thank you. I imagine so strongly with so many, not only your guests, but your listeners as well. Yes. Awesome. Thank you. I appreciate that. We, it just kind of came to us and hit us and we're like, duh, this has got to be it. This is, you know, our mission and our, our path. So is kind of hit us like a fright train when it, when it came to us. So thank you. Yeah, um, absolutely. Yeah. So let's get right into it. What was it like growing up for you? Kind of like that high school age, you know, that, that whole time period, what was that like? Yeah. So I currently reside in Colorado. However, I am a New Jersey native, and growing up, I will tell you, I had a very, you know, from the outside, it looked like a very stable household. My parents, you know, met in their late 20s, got married, well, back then, like, they got, they got married late, like, they got married, my mom was 30 when she got married, and my dad had a stable career. He worked in the oil and gas industry throughout his career, and my mom stayed home with myself. I'm the oldest of three, ch- three children. Mom was home with us until my youngest brother went off to kindergarten and then she went back to work part-time, but she was always there to like receive us when we got home from school and, you know, had a very stable life. My parents, I honestly don't, I almost never remember my parents fighting. I remember some disagreements. I remember a little stress, but the stress I, I do recall, it was around, you know, my, my father worked in it for a large corporation. And every time, you know, it was like, you know, stock market stuff that was going wonky. They, you know, reduced staff. And so there was stress around like, does my dad have a job tomorrow? Which he always did, by the way. It's a very stable life in rural New Jersey. In fact, side note, I don't know if you're familiar with Gary Vee. Do you know Gary Vee? Yes. I actually went to high school with him. (laughs) 
literally graduated. And not even like, did I go to school with him? I, in fact, he actually graduated a year ahead of me. So legitimately went to high school with him. But very stable life. Had everything that we needed. You know, we did not go without upper middle class America. However, as I left the nest, and I went out, I was the first one, I went up to college. And college was the first experience I really had with um, dating. Because in high school, I was pretty, I think I came out of my shell. My parents seemed to tell me I came out of my shell at age 16. And that was when I went, um, I took my first trip overseas to, I took a trip to Paris through my school, um, my school exchange program. And I came back different, as they always will proclaim. And I'll be honest with you, I, if I, as I look back at that time, I know that something shifted for me. It was the first experience I'd had out of the country. Canada doesn't, doesn't count. <laughs> We've been to Canada, but doesn't count, right? This was like a first chance to like explore a new culture. And my parents weren't there with me. I was there um, as a teenager with other teenagers experiencing and living with another family and, and having a little exploration. And I came back, I think, a little more aware that the world was bigger. And that was something that my parents really always instilled in us. Um, in fact, my parents married in Paris. So Paris was sort of a big thing for my family. If they were living there at the time, it wasn't that they flew over to France to get married. They were actually living in France and they're like, okay, this seems right. Let's get married. And so I always knew that the world was bigger, but this was my first exposure to it. And after high school, I you know, went off to college and was on my own for the first time and making new friends and meeting new people and starting to exploring a little bit about me and who I am. And it was the first time I had any kind of experience um, in dating. And the first person that I really fell for, like that college, that guy from college who was one of my best friends and he had interested me and I had interest in him, only I was too afraid to like walk through that veil of fear because I was more afraid of losing him as a friend. So I didn't, and I ended up losing him as a friend. And that really created a lot of stories around my worthiness of receiving love and loving myself. And I, that pattern continued for a very long time because I'm in my early 40s now. And so throughout, you know, throughout college, I really didn't date um, until I went off to, after school, I, I went to New York. I worked in Manhattan in most, for most of my 20s, and I experienced some dating there. My first relationship, I was in my early 20s. And wonderful, wonderful young man. In fact, well, he's not young anymore. We're the same age. So he's not so young anymore. However, we actually are back in each other's lives, at least through, via Facebook, when we communicate on occasion still. Wonderful person. Not my person. But I perpetuated this, this storyline that I wasn't deserving of love. And what it really came down to is that truly, I just never loved myself. I never honored the person that I am. And when I met my now former husband, so punchline, <laughs> oh, well, I guess we already talked about that <laughs> in the, in the, in the uh, introduction. When I met my husband for the first time we dated for a short period of time and he ended that relationship very early in like a few months in because he was not in a place where he could he felt he could be with me and that was devastating and then we took a year and a half apart and i knew that he was different and special 
And when we got back together, it was about the time that I had, my job in New York had been deleted and I had always wanted to move west. So I had packed up my life and I was moving and he shows up in my life. And I proceeded with that move only to come back six weeks later. And I reflect back on that time and saying, you know, I know that we had a contract to be together. We had a contract to bring our son into this world. We also have a young son together. But when I look at that timeline, like I was off on my adventure, really choosing me, really choosing like this adventure that I was going to live into. And here it was, it was either the opportunity to just be in California, which was a lifelong dream, and then another lifelong dream was to be in a real adult relationship where I felt loved. And in truth, that's how I felt around this person. He just, he, he was something that I really wanted. And so it was, what choice do I make? So I, I finished my trip, did get to California, only to come back six weeks later to give that relationship a go. And you know, we eventually got married and we built a couple of businesses together and eventually had a child. However, anyone looking at our life would have said, oh, you guys have this idyllic life, right? You've got the, the house, you've got two successful businesses. I had a super successful career, um, a healthy child, and, and everything on the outside looked wonderful. Yet, I was completely unfulfilled. There was some damage that I came into the, with the, to the relationship with, my own trauma about how I was meant to be in relationship and modeled probably a little bit for my parents, even though I think my parents have a fairly healthy marriage, but we didn't talk about that. And I just was like, I think for me, this was like the first real, real relationship I'd ever been in. And I was like, wow, he's choosing me. And so I'm just gonna like do whatever I need to do to keep him, which is of course is the worst thing you can do. <laughs> because I kept choosing to take care of him. And every time we'd get into a space where I had a little bit of freedom, there was some control issues that were going on. If I was invited out with friends, which was very rare, like there was control around the time that I came home. And if I was late coming home from work because I got stuck in traffic, there was accusations around having extramarital affairs, which I never had. But all of that conditioned me to believe that I had to keep changing myself in order to receive love, which is of course the opposite of how it really works. So when I came to Colorado and I had my final aha moment, because we have them, plenty of them throughout our lives. And I just made this decision that felt really, for many people probably felt really hard or appears as very difficult. It wasn't. It was I know I have to do this. I don't know what it's going to look like. I don't know if I'm going to, I don't know what my life is going to be if I'm going to survive. I mean, I was really, yeah, I knew I had to do it. And so I did. And I reached out to a friend from childhood, reconnected with her, who had been through a very similar experience, and she was my lighthouse. And she was the reason that I was like, if she can do it, I can do it. 
And I just kept holding on. I kept holding on to that until it became my own. Worked with a coach, worked with another coach, worked with several coaches at this point. <laughs> I'm a coach myself because I know what the other side is. And it's that piece of being able to release all the garbage that you've told yourself based on conditioning of the childhood that you were born in, into, in the community you were born into. These people did not mean to mess you up. They didn't. They were doing the best they could with what they had, you know, and I have a young son and I'm like, oh my gosh, I know that I'm messing him up. <laughs> I know it. <laughs> I see you nodding your head because we're on Zoom. Um, yet I also know that I am doing the best I can with what I have. And he will have his own lessons. And that's, that's his journey to, to walk, just like my journey is to walk. As I began to really understand the roots to a lot of these stories about victimhood and unworthiness and undeserving and not being allowed to love, my, not allowing myself to love myself, not giving myself permission, forget the external. I wasn't giving myself permission to love myself. As I started to uncover what that was and just remove the, remove all the garbage and remove what, the stuff that was going on in my head and really dropping into my body, into my being, and just being present to what is, that's where the shift started to happen. That's where I started to realize that like, I was allowed to love myself. And I haven't looked back. And so I, I talk about uh, a lot of times you, you have one hand in front of you, and that's the person, for me, it was this, this friend from high school who carried me through some of my darkest days and one hand behind me. And that hand behind me is to lift another woman up or a man. In this case, I lift men and women up. I say, okay, you're not alone. First of all, we're never alone. We perceive that we are because we cut ourselves off. I am here with you and you are okay. And you're going to get through this. Just take it one step at a time. That is such a powerful message. I think that it's really important, especially for the women that are listening to this podcast to know that it's not just one story, right? You were able to reach out and find somebody that had gone through the exact same thing to help you through. It's not just, oh, well, that, it's that, that one person that I don't know that they did it, but I'm not ever going to be able to do it because it's not anybody that I know. But in, you know, having this podcast just reinforces it because every single person that I've brought on has had this, you know, moment of this is not the end all be all. This is not how it has to be. There's more to life than this. So I think it's such a powerful message just to hear that over and over again. Mm -hmm. One of the things that I definitely want to talk about is that in your marriage or prior to your marriage, did you notice any of those red flags of that controllingness? Obviously you wouldn't have noticed it when you were there, but like hindsight 2020 looking back, can you say that, okay, that might've been a point where I should have known what was going on. And can you talk about that? Absolutely. Absolutely. And yeah, I'm, I'm glad you brought that up. There were not just one, there were many situations that occurred, you know, one, one of which, so I, I talked about like being getting home late from work and then the accusation of, I must be having an affair because I got stuck in traffic that happened before we were married for sure. Several times and that happened throughout. There was, 
just, oh my God, I just had, before, so we were engaged at this point. And the first business that we were, that we started together, he came home one day and I said, he's like, I want to start this, this business. And I was like, no, <laughs> no, because for me, it was terrifying. You know, why would you, why do you want to, why do you want to upset the apple cart? Why do you want to like risk our stability to follow your dream? Right. And which is really interesting because I, of the two of us in our marriage, I was the stable one in many ways. And he was sort of the dream, the dream catcher, the one that was just, you know, was chasing his dreams in the free spirit, which is funny because now that we're, now that we're apart, I'm the free spirit, which is always who I was meant to be. And he's become the more stable, grounded 3D person. And I'm the, the, you know, the ethereal, spiritual 5D person who tries to explain the force to him that it actually exists. And, you know, he's not in that space and that's fine. However, to that point, there was a conversation. And when I say conversation, it was not a conversation. It was, I don't care what you want. I'm going to build this business anyway. That was, that was what I was met with. And we were engaged. And I remember thinking to myself then, of course there were things that happened before that. Do I really want to move ahead with this? Right? A big question. Do I want to move ahead with somebody who, doesn't, who I felt didn't respect my input? And I was so in love with the idea of getting married that I ignored it. I just flat out stuffed that down. Didn't matter. We'll build the business. It'll be amazing. Uh, or I'll figure it out. And we did. And we built that business. And it was amazing. And I'm grateful for that experience. Except I didn't listen to myself at all. And I continued to damage myself for many years down the line throughout the marriage. And I kept stuffing and stuffing and stuffing and stuffing with food, with alcohol. And I wasn't an alcoholic, but, you know, I, I drank more than it needed to, to numb, and that the lack of fulfillment continued. And I just kept continuing with this piece of, I'm not getting my needs met. And every time I'd speak up, I'd get drawn back down again. And it was all like, and then there were some other control things about, well, it's all, it actually, Jocelyn, this is all you, and you're making all of this up in your head. Well, no, it is all me. And I'm not making it up. This is how I'm showing up. This is this is what's going. This is real for me, to the point that I just I continue to finally watch this behavior long enough that I was like, why am I living this way? Why am I crying every weekend? Why am I so miserable every weekend? That's not how you live your life. And I and I really became very apparent when we got to Colorado, because people here are happy. I mean, there's just this joy that comes around Colorado. I don't know if it's because it's sunny every day. Probably. That's certainly a part that there's a lot of people that are very athletic and outdoorsy. So you're, you're connected to Mother Earth. And you're, you know, you're, when you're moving, there's the endorphins and the energy movement within your being. So that all helps with that process. And I was like, oh, wait, I can, I can have that. And maybe I can have it within the construct of the marriage. In my case, I, I just wasn't able to. That doesn't mean that other people can't. You know, you might have, you may be able to view the, the, the communication process and you may be able to up-level together. In my situation, it just, that wasn't an option. Um, I was ready and he wasn't, and that was that. Yes, but to answer, to answer your question, yes. There were many, many signs that I chose to ignore. 
Yeah. And I think that that is such a huge thing for people to realize is that, you know, like some of these things, they, they seem minor at the time, but then they build and they build and they build. And it is, you know, that it gets to that point where it's not okay anymore. It's not just one time. And you have to realize that it's okay to have accepted it in the past and not accept it in the future. Mm-hmm. So you hit this, this brick wall basically of, you know, how do I move forward? What am I doing? Why is this happening? What did you do or what did it, like what thought process did you have of this is not okay. This is not what I want. How do, you know, like this is, you know, that I need to move forward because, and then actually moving forward, because I think a lot of the people that listen to this podcast are in that moment of, I know this is not what I want. I know this is not okay. Whether it's, you know, physical, emotional, psychological abuse, whatever it may be, but they don't know how to get over that hump of moving on or getting out of that situation. Making that, taking that next decisive step. Yes. Yeah. And that, and that is very terrifying. I mean, and, and it is terrifying. And I remember, even though I think I had known in truth, I probably knew a year and a half to two years earlier that I had to, that this convert, that this was going to happen. After we had our son, I went back into therapy because I was really having a difficult time. It wasn't postpartum, by the way, because I was really conscientious. It was like, oh my gosh, I know my history. Postpartum is going to be it. And, and postpartum never hit. It just never did. So I'm very grateful for that. However, I did go back into therapy and I remember having a conversation with my therapist and it was just, there was enough there that I was like, oh my gosh, I know it's coming. It's just a matter of when. There was a very specific incident that had occurred around the time that my son was starting preschool in our new home in Colorado. And we had gotten the details of the day wrong, about the day wrong. And he had such a, my, his dad had such a, a, an adverse reaction to it that I felt was above and beyond what was necessary that I was like, I can't tolerate this anymore. Like that was like the final, the final decision. When I made a phone call that day and I said the D, they said the D word, I said divorce. And I knew it was the moment that that left my mouth, I had to follow through. I didn't, again, I didn't know what that was going to be. I didn't know when it was going to be. I didn't know how it was going to happen. I just knew that I had to make a change for me. For nobody else, for me. If I wanted to love my life and I wanted to love myself, I had to do this. As soon as I said it, I started to think about, okay, who is going to be my support system? What's this going to potentially potentially look like? Do you, do I have finances to it? If I don't, what are my resources? Like, do I have to leave my home? Do I? You know, what are the what are women's resources? who is around me, who can support me, who can love me, who honor this. And I will tell you from my situation, I have a very supportive family, even though, you know, we don't always communicate 
in the same way. My sister has been on her awareness, her journey for longer than I have. So I had her, even though I didn't know I was going through my awakening, that was the start of my awakening. So it's been amazing to, to have her with me. However, I, I knew she'd be supportive. I knew that my parents would be supportive. I had plenty of money in the bank that I had access to. Even though the house was in both of our names, the mortgage was in mine. So that was a bit of a question mark. I also knew that there were women's resources. I didn't know anybody out here, mind you. I didn't know anybody. Well, that's not true. I had some people from high school from New Jersey that lived out here that I hadn't talked to in 20 years. My former manager from Pennsylvania lives in Colorado, so I had him. So I had a couple people, but you know, I wasn't going to burden them with my stuff. I just knew that I had enough support that I was going to get through it. So I, that's where I'd recommend is like make a decision and honor yourself. If it means that you tell nobody until you do your thing, that's okay. I didn't. The only person that knew, the only person that knew was my sister. That's not true. My sister knew from high school I had confided in, and that was it. They were the only ones that knew that this was that I was going to take this step until I did it. In fact, I filed, then I told him, and then I told my parents. So they had no idea that it was coming. Nobody had it. No one did. And I, I made it for me, I made a plan because even though it was emotional and it was emotional abuse, he's stronger than me. And I was like, he might be get so he may get so angry that there might be physical. He never touched me. And I want to be very clear with that. He to this day he's he's never he's never come after me in that way. But I didn't know and I wasn't gonna leave that to question. So I made a plan. Like I made an escape plan for at least a couple of days to have a place where I was going to feel safe because I knew I'd be shattered, energetically, physically, emotionally shattered, right? And I made a plan for myself. So that's, I mean, that's, th those are things I'd recommend. It's like plan it out for yourself. If it means you have to keep it in your head and not write it down because you're afraid someone's going to find it, keep it in your head. That's okay. Or find somewhere you can lock it away so no one sees it. Make a plan for yourself and honor yourself. And if you say, I want to go, and then you back off of that, Ask yourself how it feels when you back away from it versus how does it feel making that decision? Both standpoints, because it, it might very well be that you can work through it. I don't mean to like say that this is the end all be all. Some people can. In fact, there's been plenty of people that have been able to overcome and make that happen within the construct. But like honor yourself and how you're feeling about that piece and understand that you are not alone. You are not alone. I am not the first person that's left a marriage. I'm not the first person that was in a situation where I felt manipulated and controlled and made to feel small and didn't live into my being. I'm not going to be the last one either. I'm not alone. I know I'm not alone. I just had to speak up. That's it. I had to find my voice. So know that. Find resolve in that. And know that there's been someone else out there who's been in your space. Look at Kristen Kuzmik. I don't know if you do you know Kristen. Do you know her that name? Okay. So Kristen Kuzmik is a um, social media figure. She's been sharing her story maybe for seven, eight years now at this point. 
she she divorced when she was quite young. I'm not really sure the details of the reasons of why her first marriage fell apart, but it did. And her kids were two and three. And she was living in a one-bedroom apartment. She's very open by this, by the way, about this. Um, living in a one-bedroom apartment and you know, was sleeping on the floor and feeding her kids like box macaroni and cheese, which whatever, that's fine, right? The kids were eating. And she put them in front of the TV for hours and hours and hours at a time while she would disappear in her room and just stop to protect her children and just to have that space for herself. And you fast forward to where she is today. She's married with, you know, second marriage, had another child, and she is an international superstar because she's just like, look, that was my story. That's what happened to me. And then I, I chose to love myself. And it wasn't one day, right? It was a journey, this continual journey, you know, of choosing yourself and choosing what's best for you. And if you're, the only way you get to the bright side is walking through the dark. You're nodding, so I feel like you have a story to share on that. Um, no, I just think that one of the things that I really liked that you said was the that it has to be for yourself. And it, I, I think that that is the biggest thing that I took away from that is because I have so many people that are supporters, right? Survivor supporters that are like, how do I help so-and-so get out of this relationship? How do I, you know, get my friend out of this or my sister or whatever? And every single time it's, you can't, right? Until they're ready to step out of that relationship and do this for themselves, you're only going to get pushed back and pushed back and pushed back. And then to that, I tell them, don't let them push you away either because they're going to try to. And especially if it is a very volatile relationship, they will 100% get you out of that. So you don't ever have to see what they're going through. Yes. And I, you know, I tell them, do not we hide. Yes. We hide. Yeah. And, and it's, it's, do not let them do that. If you don't speak for years and one day they're like, okay, I'm ready to go. You're asking, you, you know, you're asking me now, how do you help them? If they ask you in, or if they tell you in three years that they're ready to go, you better be there in three years. Because yep. otherwise, I don't know why you're asking me this question now. So I'm, I'm going to get a little bit like um, you're hitting something really hard for me, right? Like it's hitting my heart really hard right now. And I'm going to give you a direct example of my own story because you're absolutely on point. So I, you know, during, you know, Corona and we've been home and doing Zoom calls and Zoom reunions and all this wonderful stuff. After I did separate, I reached out to two of my friends from New York that were my two best, three of them actually, well, one of them is a married couple. So three of them technically, but two houses. Anyway, because during my marriage, during my entire time with this man, I was excommunicated from them. And it wasn't their choosing, it was, the one of the, so there's a couple and then there's another, another man. And the other man, the four of us spent so much time together and the other one, the other pair were a couple. So at one point, like the other guy and I kind of like did the side eye, like, oh, do we need to be together? Is this a thing? Cause we all spent time together. And we, we explored it for like a hot minute and realized absolutely not. Um, I love you dearly, but you're not my person. <laughs> and, and I was very clear with that. I had shared that with my 
my husband that I'd had this thing with this other man, but it was years before I even knew my husband. My husband was not okay with this and was like, you can't be friends with this person any longer. And of course I honored that because I thought I was honoring my relationship, which of course I wasn't, I wasn't honoring myself. Anyway, fast forward, the marriage is over and I reach out to these people and we've rekindled that friendship, those friendships. And just recently, this is about two and a half years later, since I, my separation, and I, I said, did you guys know? I'm like, of course we did. Of course we knew. And, and I was like, why didn't you say anything? I thought you loved me. And I'm like, do you listen? <laughs> like, oh yeah, no. <laughs> You're right, I would not have listened. And, I, and you guys sat and watched me go through this and they loved me anyway. And then, you know what? They're here, they're here with me today. I had to go through that journey. It wasn't their journey in any way. And they're still here. And so you hit that so well and so eloquently because it's absolutely true. Thank you. And, and I, I, it's been a, a that, that answer has morphed, you know, since I first started the nonprofit two years ago, three years ago, and even into, you know, my policing background, you know, it was always when I first started, it was like, oh, you know, just, just tell them that they need, you know, like, just try to try to get them out, try to get them out, try to get them out, do all this stuff. And then, you know, working through all of that and then working in policing and then working, you know, with women outside of policing and, and in the actual nonprofit world, it's completely different than, you know, than I originally thought. So that's been a, a answer that has been a work in progress, but I think I'm getting it down pretty well. <laughs> and you want to, right? I mean, I will tell you, cause now that I'm on the other side, so part of the reason that I discovered that I, I actually needed to share my story much more publicly and actually become a coach, as I was going early days of my healing process and healing journey, I had, we talked about vulnerability quite a bit in my, with my coach. And to embody that for me meant that I had to get real with what the hell was going on in my world. And for the way that I communicate that was pretty much vomiting on Facebook like flat out sharing everything. Now, mind you, before that, I shared nothing on Facebook. I was not on the court of my life. I was sitting on the sideline watching everyone else live. And I was like, nope, I'm in the court now. So I'm putting everything on Facebook. There are pictures of the tears, of the sadness, of the anger, of the frustration, of the joy, of the gratitude, of the my expansion, that I can love this man without getting receiving any, <clears throat> excuse me, any forgiveness from him. I can still love this man and show, shower him with love in an affectionate way and not have, and because he's still the father of my child and we do choose to be together, they saw, they saw it all. And what happened is that people started, I became a lighthouse. People were sending their friends to me because I went through that journey. I've had friends of mine that are currently in situations that they're not happy in that have been very open with me very privately, but they'll, they've opened up and said, like, look, this is what's really happening behind the scenes. So yes, it looks one way out here, but really I'm not. And I, it breaks my heart to hear that. And I'm grateful that they're comfortable and confident enough to come to me that they haven't shifted their situations. And I can only be here when they're ready. Yeah. And all I can do is keep doing what I do and know that, let them know that I'm here and I love them and I will be here with, with them when they are ready. 
Yeah. And I think that, you know, you've, you've definitely got that unique experience of having both sides to it, of knowing Mm -hmm. what they're going through exactly. Right. You know, I, I, I can't tell anybody like, I know what you're going through. It'll be okay. Like I can't, I can't do that. Right. But you can. And I think that, you know, even though it was not an ideal situation, now what you're trying to do with that situation, it is very helpful in that sense. So moving forward a little bit in, in time, so you, you left and you moved to, you moved to a whole, another state, right? We moved first. Okay. So we, when we moved, I walked away from my career to make this move and it was a choice. Yeah, it was a decision that we both made. We both, we both wanted to be in Colorado. Um, and that was, you know, the best thing that's ever happened. You know, I'm grateful for that. So we moved and several months later we separated. And in that time, I think I just has just started working on a contract from home. So I had a little money coming in. I fortunately had money in the bank and he was agreeable to allow me to keep the house. I did have to buy him out, of course, the legalities of that. And I got involved with the startup community here in in the Denver area, which was such a wonderful experience for me because I met so many people. It's where I birthed my podcast. In truth, I have my own podcast, mostly that that startup community. I've met some amazing people along my journey. I've realized that I've actually cycled through three groups of people since I've been here in three years. Like I got really involved in the startup community and I had, that was like my group of friends for a period of time and they served me well and I loved it. Then I got involved with the cycling community, a huge cycling community here. And that was through a relationship that is no longer in my world. And actually I sat on the outside of that cycling community. So I I really have to be clear with that. That wasn't really mine. It was his that I tried to adopt myself into, but it wasn't mine. So that relationship ended and as to the cycling, (laughs) I mean, I still ride my bike just, you know, in other ways. And now I have a group of amazing friends who are very similar to me, who are coaches and energetic healers and understand this Lewis side of the world. So I've cycled through that. In addition, I set myself with some mileposts of things that I wanted to accomplish for me, for nobody else, for me. And one of them, and I don't know, we're not doing, are we doing the video? This is just the audio recording. Okay. So you can see it, but behind me, um, I have a picture of myself on a mountain and it's on my own descent from my very first 14er. So in Colorado, we have all these things called 14ers, which are peaks that are over 14,000 feet. And it's a thing that people in Colorado do. (laughs) So I was like, all right, I'm going to do them. So that's my reminder of what I'm capable of when I tell myself I can. And I've since done several of them. In fact, that one was my very first one. And I've done that one now three times. But that was just one, just one thing. You know, I had owned two businesses with him. And stepping out into my own, starting my own business is frankly, absolutely terrifying. Because it's on my own. And I still have to own that. Like, own that piece. This is mine. And I can do this by myself. I don't need someone else to do it for me because I am capable of doing it for me. Definitely. I think that is, again, very powerful for anybody that's listening, you know, to know that just it's, 
it's terrifying to go into the unknown. And I had, you know, I had a guest on here earlier and they were talking about the, the, the known versus the unknown, right? You, you know, the no, and you don't like the no, right? All you are doing is fearing the unknown. You don't know if you like it or not, right? But you know, you do not like this. So you need, you have to have that courage to go into a place that you may not like, but hey, you've switched your whole life up before, you know, then you'll be able to do it again. And, and I think that is so important for people to realize and to know. And I, I want to take a moment if we can, though, because what I've talked about are some really massive changes. And it doesn't have to be massive. It can be small. Start small. Start small. Build up your immunity to your own fears because what we're trying what we're doing here is for in my and i'm sure you can relate to this with your other guests and in your own experience in my marriage i was literally wearing armor every day to protect myself that's not where it's at when you start wearing armor and when you start changing yourself putting masks on to being somebody else that you're not people will see through that and it's exhausting what we really want to be able to do is take those masks off to remove that armor and just live in your being and be super secure with who you are no matter what. So when the bullets come flying at you, because they're going to fly at you no matter what, what happens now is when you live in that, rather than wearing that armor, because your armor's gone, you live in your peace. And what happens is the bullets melt. They melt because you're emanating out love and there's nothing that can hurt you. Nothing. The only thing that hurts you is when you allow yourself to be. It's a mind game. It's a heart game. It's a gut game. Trust yourself. Love yourself. And nobody else can start you. Nobody. You do it to yourself. But that's not, that's not, it's not an overnight. This has taken, I've been on this journey now for two and a half years. A lot of my friends have been on this journey for over 20 and we still get caught up in it. You know, I will tell you like last year I undid a lot of my beautiful work because my old patterns returned. And while I was in the midst of it, I even knew and I didn't call myself out on it. I didn't choose me, choose someone else. And I did more. I had more to learn. I just had more to learn. There's nothing, there's nothing wrong with that. This other person's an amazing, a beautiful person, and I'm grateful that this person was in my life. And I, I know better. I know better for next time. That's it. It's giving yourself permission just to be. Definitely. And I, I'm really glad that you brought that up, that that was going to be, you know, one of my uh, questions to you is what are those small steps, you know, because we are talking very big. We are talking, you know, massive changes and there's going to be a lot of people that aren't exactly ready for those so you know like bringing in that just that small thing to do daily yeah i can give you several i'll I'll can rattle off a few things yeah first first i absolutely absolutely encourage everybody to reach out and find a support system that supports what you're after like write down your goal if it's a little one if it's like today i want to wake up happy well, what does that mean? That doesn't, whatever, it means going to mean something to you. Create your, 
create a support system that's going to keep you there. So like for me, I decided I'm not going to drink this year. And I, okay, so during Corona, I had two beers and two glasses of wine. And I'm, it's not that I'm not being social. I'm going out and I'm seeing people like now that we're allowed to, <laughs> maskless, I'm seeing people with, without masks. Um, I'm just not choosing, I'm just choosing not to drink. And if there's, there's people around me that are, are drinking, I know at this point I'm strong enough to make that decision that I can be around them and not imbibe and I'm still okay. You know, I'm fine with that. Find your support system. Find people, like one or two people that you can talk to and share everything with and not worry about what they care, what they think about you. Don't worry about it because you're the only person that gets to love you. So find those people that you can really trust. Another thing that's, that I find really incredibly helpful is to journal. And I'm not a writer by any stretch. I'm a verbal communicator. So I just discovered this actually recently, even though I've been journaling for a while, there's a little microphone on Microsoft Word where you can actually dictate. So that works wonders for me. So when I get my, when I get my squirrel thoughts of all the ugliness, all the yuckiness, I write it out because now it's out of my head and I don't look at it. Nope. I don't look at the, I don't look at the garbage stuff. I just get it out. It's out of, it can't continue to poison my system if it's no longer in my system. Positive things. If you have, if you're able to, Instead of taking that 20 minutes of watching Netflix that numb you out, which we all need, by the way, and that's okay, carve out 10 minutes of that time, five minutes at a time, sit quietly with yourself. If you want to meditate, that's great. If you just just turn, but turn the TV off and sit with yourself and allow whatever thoughts are coming through. Let's just allow it. If it's beautiful, if it's ugly, whatever it is. As we start to transition, to more of the joy piece. In the morning, write down five or 10 things that you are grateful for, you're happy to have in your life. And it might be something so simple, like I live in Colorado, we have sunshiny days most days. So a lot of times my very first thought is, I'm grateful that the sun is shining in my bedroom this morning. I'm grateful I have a bed to sleep in. I'm grateful I have clean water. It doesn't have to be this magnificent thing. It can be very simple. Write them down, read them aloud, say thank you three times. And then every time you find yourself going to a negative squirrel thought, bring up one gratitude thing. One thing you're happy about that's gone well for you today. Bigger goal, write out the life that you desire to have as if you already have it. I am so happy and grateful now that I have whatever it is. For me, I'm so happy and grateful now that I have a stage where I get to share my message to inspire other women and to empower other women to do what I'm doing. I am so happy and grateful that I have a loving partner by my side who supports me and, and loves me unconditionally in all my weirdness and all my, you know, all my zaniness and all my drama and all of my, you know, insecurities. Cause I'm not gonna tell you, like I'm fallible. I have insecurities. You know, I do. I say garbage to myself plenty of times. Write out the beautiful life that you desire. Write it out. Read it every day if you can. Those are little things. Like a couple minutes of quiet time. Ten gratitudes. Write out what you're what you're like to want your life to look like. Those are three little 
things. And that's where you build from there. Oh, and support system, support system. Whether, and if it means you have to hire someone to support you, do it. Women, more so than men, have, there's a lot of women's resources that pro provide free services for, at least for therapy, great place to start. But start. If there's anything, just start. Definitely. I 100% agree with everything that you're saying. And I'm glad that you were able to bring actionable steps to anybody that's listening. I think that that is so important in beginning your journey, um, whatever it may be and, and, you know, however it may look. But we, we are getting close to the end of the episode, but I don't want to leave our view or our listeners not knowing what you're doing now, how you're thriving now. So let's talk a little bit about what is going on in your life right now. Yeah. So I, I do coach. I have, I do care more to women. However, I do coach men as well who've been through a similar process than my own where they either left a relationship or they're in a relationship and there's something that's just not working for themselves because it's not working within themselves. So um, I coach, I have a podcast called Leap where I interview um, coaches Life, my, like myself, and healers. I, I'm a little bit spiritual. I'm a little woo-woo. Um, actually, I'm a lot. <laughs> and healers who work with body energy and how we can heal our, our being from within. Um, and so I interview them about what inspires them to take a leap of faith in starting their own business, much like my own. I do have a day J-O-B. And my J-O-B, I work for a company where uh, we sell hearing aids online, which it's interesting because I've I've done so many really interesting things in the last three years. Most recently, I had my palm analyzed, my hand analyzed. It's not palm reading, it's hand analysis. And all of the lines that you're in your hands and your fingerprints, you were born with. And they're your indicators of how you actually show up in the world. So I, I have what's called two different schools. I have a school of connection and a school of impact. And connection is all about love, right, which is my journey. And impact is making an impact in other people's worlds to, to, you know, inspire change. So those are two things I've learned about myself along the journey. And so, you know, the hearing aid thing kind of connects both because we're allowing people to hear their loved ones again, which plays into my symphony. I have an amazing group of friends. I own a home. I have a roof over my head. I get to explore and expand every day. And I will tell you, I have had a coach Personally, I've employed a coach ever since I started because, well, it took us a couple months off because for me, I need that, I need that accountability. So find the magic formula. You know, do I wake up with days and I'm sad? Absolutely. I'm not perfect. I'm not going to tell you that I have all the answers. I don't have your answers. In fact, you have your answers. That's where the quiet stillness comes in play. Oh, here, I'm here to hold space to keep, to keep you accountable to you. Definitely. I love it. And then, so what are your goals for the next year or so? Yeah. So, but I don't know when this will, this show will air. However, I have, I'm going to be announcing very soon um, a few online workshops, upcoming workshops. We're doing, I'm partnering with another coach locally, and we're going to be bringing forth some, some workshops around values vulnerability and vision and how we can break through our own BS and leap into like leap from our own limitations to liberation through those channels. 
continuing to do more sound healing, partnering with the sound healer and doing some work with sound healing again and some values-based work, doing some inner inner child healing and you know the wounding and healing process. And all of that will be found on my Facebook page at Jocelyn Bellows. Um, continue to record my my podcast and bringing all that loveliness into the world. And I still do I also do one-on-one coaching. So I have three month, six month and year long programs with one on one one coaching and just and by the time this airs i may even have it finalized because i'm just starting to put it together group coaching programs as well nice that is a an amazing 12 months coming up i think yeah. you'll definitely be busy for sure but it'll be a good busy but so wrapping up we've got a few questions that we ask every guest that comes on so yeah. the first one is what would the new you say to the old you don't worry about that dude don't worry about them. Focus on your stuff, build your empire, love yourself, and then the world can love you. Nice. I, I love that. And then we broke it down daily of, you know, some things to do that our listeners can do daily, but what is something that you can recommend where they're, they're just having a really bad day. They're having a really tough situation. What's something to get them through that situation? Honestly, sit in it, allow the emotion to process because if you don't, then emotion's going to stay there until you do. It's going to hold on to you until you really resolve it. So sometimes you do need to sit in your own sadness for a little while or anger or whatever it is, not too long. I mean, if it's, if it's a week, if it's a day, if it's a week, it's a month. If it's two months, okay, that can be excessive. I know I sat in myself for two months, for sure. Find little things that make you happy every day. There's something, every, there's a little happiness every single day. Find that little thing every day. For me, sometimes like in my depth of my, my darkest days, Sometimes it was just like cuddling with my son at night on the nights I had him. That was it. That's what got me through. Sometimes, honestly, with especially with this last in this last relationship, because um, it ended during the holiday season, and I didn't have my son this holiday season, which was you know, so it was like a double whammy. The point that brought me joy was I got to like I listened to meditative music during the day, and I drank tea. That's what got me through some of those days. I think that's really important for people to hear that it doesn't have to be this like grand thing that happens. It can just be like, I got to sit down, <laughs> you know, yeah. in a hectic day, I got to sit down and yep. then and that was good. So I, I appreciate you uh, saying that. Well, the next one is what is a book, podcast, ebook, anything that you recommend um, to our oh. listeners? I'm going to go with books. I'm going to share two. The first is The Secret by Rhonda Byrne. And the second, and these were, these were probably like my Bibles. And the second is The Universe Has Your Back by Gabrielle Bernstein. They're both uh, in the metaphysical. The Secret is about the law of attraction. And The Universe Has Your Back, understanding that we are part of the force the force exists and just sort of living in the present moment not concerned about your future don't worry about your past 
be here and be in your present. And that's what allows you to sort of drop into your body and allows all that other stuff, the comparison that I'm not keeping up with, I'm not doing these things. Just be with who you are and be okay. Give yourself permission to love yourself. Those are two that I'd absolutely recommend. Love it. I, I always love getting new book suggestions. So that's one of the reasons I ask it. It's made a little bit of a personal oh, game. Oh, and a third one. Oh my gosh, a third one. You're a Badass by Jen Sincero. Yes. That one's like my Bible. Actually, all that. that one for sure is my Bible and Universe Has My Back is my second. I love I love that, that first book. That is an awesome book. And then finally, if anybody wants to hear more about you or more from you, where can they find you? Best place right now is on my Facebook page at Jocelyn Bellows. Um, I do have a business page, though I may be decommissioning and I'm running into some hiccups with my former husband around that. So I think we're going to be transitioning everything to my personal page. And uh, you can find me on anchor.fm backslash what's your leap. That's where my, actually you can find my podcast anywhere under what's your leap or uh, on Instagram also at what's your leap. Awesome. Well, make sure you guys find her and reach out to her and uh, get to know more about her for sure. Cause she is awesome. So Jocelyn, thank you so much for coming on the show. I had a blast talking to you and I think it's so amazing and powerful when people are able to share their stories. You know, I think it helps other people begin their healing process. So thank you for coming on. Absolutely. Heather, thank you so much for allowing me to share. If you or anyone you know has been victimized by domestic violence, please reach out to us for resources and ways our organization can help you. You can find us on social media at 2thrivingatl, T-O thriving ATL, or online at 2thriving.org.